25-yard line. I'm your host, Steve Johnson, coming back for another off-season episode. I've got Grant Freeman here with me. Grant, we are closing in on the NFL season officially starting. How are you feeling today? There was finally football on TV this last weekend. I was so excited. It was so fun. It was so nice. I don't know. I don't know if it was the same for you, but I've never been that excited for the preseason. I just feel like I'm in such a like deep hole of missing football (laughs) that I was so excited just to see grown men play a game on the field. It was great. I was uh, just scrolling through like I was scrolling through my TV listing and was getting updates for like this Saturday. Titans play titans play on nfl network i was like oh wait there's football this saturday what yeah usually usually not that excited for preseason games but i'm ready to go i watched a lot of games this past week and we're going to talk about that in a little bit but coming up today on the show we are talking about preparing for the draft we are closing in on that time fantasy football drafts are already happening you know grant and i always recommend that you wait until about the third week of preseason But we've got one last week, so it could be as early as next week. I know I've got some drafts next week, this coming weekend. I've got some drafts coming up. Uh, We're we're in draft season, so we want to give you some tools to prepare and get ready so that you show up to your draft ready to go. But before we get there, let's touch base on some news since the last time we podcasted, the last time we filled you all in on what's going on. Uh, We're going to be going back a few weeks on some of these stories, so we'll try to move past them pretty quickly because some of this is old news. But as always, we just want to touch base on some of the fantasy implications of what is going on around the league. So first and foremost, and this is a bombshell, Cam Akers has torn his Achilles. This was a few Uh, weeks ago, but torn Achilles, he is done for the year. So disappointing, too, because he really was looking like a guy that could really kind of be the the lead back in in LA. Um, he was something that I think you and I were both very high on coming into the season. Uh, had a lot of potential just from what we saw from last season. And so the news of him tearing his Achilles was was huge and was was just really such a bummer. Um, obviously, this is good news for Daryl Henderson um, because I think mm-hmm. he's going to become the main guy. Um, and there's been kind of uh, Sean McVay's actually been doing some podcasts with uh, Pete Schrager um, called Flight Coach. And they, uh, when they, when the injury happened, they, they talked about it on the podcast. And it seemed like that L.A. was not very worried about how they were going to handle the, inter- the, the injury to Cam Akers. Um, so that gives you, should give you a lot of um, some helpful insight into how they view Daryl Henderson and the type of player that he is and how he's going to be used going forward into this off into this new season. So how high are you drafting Daryl Henderson this year? Um, I think I'm still a little late on him, but I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if Daryl Henderson, if I draft Daryl Henderson, probably late fourth, early fifth, that's still too early for me. I've got him. I mean, I've got him as a sixth rounder, and I'm still even if he falls to there, I'm I'm probably not taking him. It he's had opportunities before to be the starting running back, to be yeah. the guy, and he just hasn't succeeded. 
So he's going to get first crack at it. He's going to get a lot of touches. I know a lot of people are really high on him this year. I'm not one of them. I've got him as my running back 23 after this injury. Uh, I mean, you know I was really high on Cam Akers this year. Mm -hmm. I just don't know that it'll translate over to Daryl Henderson. Um, I don't know that he's going to get the kind of workload that Cam Akers would have gotten. If he falls to, like, the seventh round, I may pick him up. But I've got him behind guys like like Etienne and Gaskin, Dobbins, Mm -hmm. Mike Davis. I would rather have any of those guys over Daryl Henderson because I'm just not that excited about what he's going to do this year. Uh, moving on to Aaron Rodgers. Um, as I have been saying for weeks, he's playing for the Packers this year. Yep. Nothing we changes. We all knew it. We all knew it. Nothing changes. The Packers offense is as good as it should be. Um, obviously what this does for Rogers is the way that the contract, his contract is now structured, gives him the opportunity to be traded or, um, traded next year and the potential to void his, uh, 2023 year. Uh, so he can hit free agency a year earlier if he wants to. Um, so obviously that works out for him benefit in the long run, um, depending on what the Packers do. Um, but obviously, I, I think maybe Aaron Jones moves potentially moves up just a little, maybe only one or two spots in my rankings with this news. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think overall we knew he was going to be playing no matter what. And so I think the offense is going to be just fine. Yep. Packers are going to be a very good team this year. That is not new news. Um, Dak Prescott, one of uh, the quarterbacks that you and I are both pretty high on. This year, um, he has a lat injury in his throwing shoulder yep. and has missed some practice time. Uh, any concern there? Everything that we've seen from Dak and from Cowboys camp says that he should be ready by week one. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. you're going to want to take that news just a little bit with caution just because of Dak's previous injury history. Um, but I think as long as he, um, I know that they were doing the red and white or blue and white scrimmage today in Dallas. Um, and he was coming, he, he, he was throwing in at least the quarterback drills. He wasn't doing any of the scrimmaging or anything like that, but they were going to have him throw in the quarterback drills. So that's a good sign that if, if he's able to throw, um, going forward, that looks good. Yeah. I, I, I watched a report by Stefania Bell earlier. And uh, one of the things, uh, Stefania Bell, injury analyst for ESPN, walked through Dak Prescott's recovery process right now and is not seeing anything out of the ordinary for yep. uh, a, an injury like this. They brought in some some physicians that have worked with baseball injuries because this is really a more common baseball injury than football. So the team has brought in some experts that have worked with this type of injury regularly in the past. Um, Mike McCarthy said earlier that Dak's building up to his volume of throws to where he was pre-injury. Um, there's there's a high probability that he'll be starting week one. Yep. Even if he misses week one, you can very easily grab Dak Prescott in your draft if that's a guy that you're targeting. Mm-hmm. And then late, late in the draft, you can grab like Orion Fitzpatrick or Ben Roethlisberger. Even in one of the later like rounds, Tannehill. 
yeah, Tannehill's probably still going to go a little higher than I'm willing to for a QB two. But one of these other guys that that's just going to be there in the 14th, 15th round of your draft that you can just slot in, um, play week one, and then get Dak back almost yep. immediately. Uh, I think that's perfectly fine. Well, moving on to um, really the most exciting part of the week, and we hit on it a little bit, but we have some preseason games. So yeah. why don't you give me just a couple things? I'll pull a couple of mine that you noticed this weekend from some of the action. Well, obviously, I think the biggest thing is that I Cam Newton's time in New England, I think, is very limited. I believe... Mm-hmm that we're going to see um, that we're going to see Mac Jones probably take the reins at some point this season. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if it's early. Um, Everything from him in that first preseason game was actually looked really good. Um, Mm -hmm. He was really making the the plays that he could um, and really running through his um, running through his checks um, like you want to see from him, Mm -hmm. um, especially in that, in that uh, Patriots offense. Yeah, he looked good. He you know, obviously still has some rookie rust. Still needs an adjustment. I saw him make some throws that, that looked really nice. I, I don't know that he's ready to jump in and be a solid starter, but I do have, I do have bel- the belief that he will be starting at some point this season and will at least be passable when he does. No pun intended. Um, one of the big things that I noticed in some of my time watching the bears play is that Justin Fields needs to be the week one starter. And the only reason for him to not be the starter is if Matt Nagy hates his job, (laughs) you know, he did not look great, but he he's moving around well in the pocket. He did make a comment after the game that the NFL game speed actually feels kind of slow to him, which I think is a really dumb thing to say because oh, if he comes out next week like in preseason and throws three interceptions, he's just going to look really dumb. He just put a big target on his back in the media. But he, he looked good throwing the ball. More importantly than how good Justin Fields looked was how bad Andy Dalton looked. Yeah. He... He was just throwing his first read every time. He made some nice throws doing that. He made some really bad throws, throwing into guys that were just not open right off the line. He he wasn't getting to his second read. He wasn't mobile in the pocket. The offense looked really, really stale under Andy Dalton, and that's not what the Bears need this season. Their offense doesn't have to be incredible because their defense is still very good, but they can't be throwing incompletions at the rate that Andy Dalton was throwing them. We'll, we'll see. I think Andy Dalton will probably start the next preseason game. We'll see. But at this moment, from what I saw in week one of the preseason, Andy Dalton was not going to even manage the game into yeah. enough wins for the bears for Nagy and pace to keep their jobs. So if they're looking for the next gig, then great start Andy Dalton all season and someone else, maybe Eric B. will come in and and coach Justin Fields do a lot of wins, but I still have faith in Matt Nagy that he he could be a good coach for Justin Fields that can really put a system in place that matches his play style. And if, if Matt Nagy doesn't want to do that, we're going to see Andy Dalton, but it, it's got to be Fields. Um, going back to the Packers, 
Um, what we saw from this week from from them in their preseason game is that if Aaron Rodgers is traded next year or does end up leaving here in the next year, the Packers are going to be fine. Jordan Love, yeah, jo- Jordan Love actually looked really good. Um, obviously, there's a little bit of question with him getting hit on the shoulder and coming out because of that mm-hmm. injury, um, but. I All the know reports the- so far that it, it's fine. It's it wasn't yep. anything serious. He should. I mean, we should see him this coming weekend. Yep. But obviously, I think it's it's a relief for Packers fans knowing at least that if Rodgers does decide to walk after this season, um, I think they've got a good guy in Jordan Love who can actually kind of carry that offense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, another big exciting rookie, someone that I think is is going number one in every rookie draft for every dynasty league. Yeah. Uh, the rookie being drafted higher than than any other rookie in fantasy this year. Najee Harris is the starting running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's his and job. He is in no danger of not even losing the job, nope. but of someone encroaching on his touches. Yeah. He he took almost every snap with the with the first team this past weekend. He, he played a lot of time in the Hall of Fame game. We've seen so far him play two times. He looks good, yep. and there is no competition for that job. Even if he comes out and has a slow start to the season, I cannot imagine a circumstance. I mean, unless he just fumbles the ball like nine times in the first three weeks and rushes for like 1.8 yards a carry, anything better than that, and I don't see any world where he's not the starting running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers all season, which yeah. gives him really good value in fantasy. I, I've i moved him up in my ranks. I've got him as running back 12 right now. Uh, I've got him at the start of the third round, but if you want to yeah. go running back, running back, and take him a little bit higher than some of the wide receivers that I have ahead of him, I'm completely fine with taking him as early yeah. as the middle of the second round because I think you will get some good value for him coming back. He is going to get a lot of touches. He's going to score uh, at least enough fantasy points to be a running back too. With I think the sky is the limit. I think if he ends the season as a, a running back one, I will not be surprised in the least. The the One of the things Matthew Barry always says, that fantasy success is comprised of volume and opportunity, <laughs> or opportunity plus talent, yep. opportunity plus talent. Uh, from all we've seen, Najee Harris is an incredibly talented player, and the volume will be there. The opportunity will be there for yep. huge fantasy success from him. Uh, last guy, kind of the touchdown, touch on. It It wouldn't surprise me if Trey Lance at some point takes over the top job. Um, this first 49ers quarterback, rookie Trey Lance. Yes, 49ers rookie quarterback Trey Lance. Um, he... He looked good in this in this in this first preseason game. Um, obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo took the first series, uh, hit all three of his passes that he needed to, and then uh, Trey Lance came in for the rest of the first half and actually looked good. What was disappointing is that it could have been better had the Niners not had so many drops. Uh, I think the Niners <laughs> Niners wide receivers ended up for four or five drops on Trey Lance passes, so that's where you're you're a little worried by, but. Other than that, for the most part, Trey Lance actually looked really good, hitting that 80-yard touchdown on his first 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 drive of the game, um, right down, moving moving from his right back to his moving from his left back to his right to hit that pass. 
Uh, so you know that the arm strength is there. So it was if Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt, I think he's one of those guys that could see a ton of value going forward, mm-hmm. um, especially with the Niners' schedule this this season. Um, looks like it could be. Uh, it's not like not the easiest schedule in the NFL this season, but it is going to be a pretty 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 good one. Some soft defenses to kind of pick apart there. Well, it'll be exciting seeing where he goes forward. Obviously, a lot more happened this past weekend in the preseason, but we don't have time to get into all of it. We'll be coming back next week with uh, another recap of some more games. Uh, But most importantly, let's move on to our main topic of today's show, and that is how to prepare for your fantasy football draft. Drafts are coming up. We are in draft season, and the number one piece of advice that I can give you, that we can give you for how to prepare for your draft effectively is mock, 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 mock draft, mock draft as much as possible. Mock with people, mock with computers, mock with your dog, whatever you can do, mock draft as much as possible. And we're going to get into some more strategies that you can take into that mock draft, some things to practice, things to go through. But like anything else in life, practice makes perfect. And if you show up to your fantasy football draft and that is the first time you have seen what players are there in the 10th round, in the 9th round, 13th round, and you're trying to just dig through all these players, if you you are, are, are drafting players early and realizing that you could have gotten similar value from players multiple rounds later, you don't want your draft to be the first time you were experiencing all of those things. Yeah. So mock draft as much as possible. Um, my two favorite mock drafts to do, and uh, I, I don't know what your preference is, Grant, but I really like, I like to mock draft on ESPN just because it's such a large platform that yeah. you usually get a, a wide variety of full draft rooms. You can do uh, salary cap bat, salary cap drafts, what we used to call auction drafts, if you're familiar. Yeah. Um, they're going by salary cap drafts. Now you can do those. You can do PPR. You can do Mm -hmm. anything as small as eight team leagues up to 16 team leagues, Mm -hmm. all in the draft rooms on ESPN drafting with real life people. These are, are not bots. They're not computers, people logging in and mock drafting. One of the downsides to doing it that way is people leave early. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, most of the mocks I am doing by the time you hit the ninth or 10th round. Yeah most of the teams are auto drafting which is really frustrating uh, and don't be that guy don't be that girl yeah. if you're going into a mock draft draft 16 rounds even if you're the last one um, another thing that i've discovered i know i talked down on the sleeper app a lot because we're not big fans of the the sleeper fantasy football app here on the 25 yard line but they do have an incredible mock draft fe- feature where you can mock draft with bots and it's not just going through the rankings. It, it bases on ADP, but it's not just going through the list in order. So it's not like you can you can yeah. count 12 spots and see what your next pick is going to be. It, it throws some curveballs at you. It pulls players from, from further. It reaches on players occasionally. So it, it, it does not have the same feel as drafting with other human beings, but it is it is a lot better than just reading ranking sheets. Yeah. And the... The real benefit of that is you can do a draft in like 10 minutes. You can mock in like 10 minutes really quickly because you pick and it flies through and you get to your next pick really quickly. And that's the, that's the thing too, that I think 
Sleeper has actually done well is that they, the way that they've set up their mock draft system with that, if you just want to mock by yourself, is that they, they have kind of taught it how people draft. Because, um, I mean, you, you and I know we join random ESPN leagues and there's guys like, there's, there's kickers going in the seventh, eighth round. There's defenses <laughs> going in like the six. And it's like, it's just, it's all over the place because nine you get guys, quarterbacks off the board in the first five rounds. Yeah, you get guys who are just trying to get specific players and then they leave for the remainder of the draft. And that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's what's frustrating. But that's where I think sleepers actually done a little bit better of a job because they've taken some of those finer nuances that you will see in some of these drafts and has kind of tried to apply it to its its mock system so that you get kind of a more accurate draft of what you would see doing joining a random league like ESPN or Sleeper mm-hmm. um, and how people draft. Absolutely. Um, and one of the benefits of a mock draft is you don't have to deal with your team all year. Yep. So I, with a mock draft, your team gets deleted at the end of it. You get like an email or you can take a screenshot of your team that you can look at if you want. I like to save my mock drafts just to get an idea of yep. how my teams are looking over the mock draft season. But then that team goes away. So if you end up trying a crazy strategy and your team is horrible, you don't have to deal with that team. Don't have to worry about three it. months from now. You get good practice, no consequences, and it helps you prepare for your draft but i will say this if you are gonna mock make sure you're in the mock draft lobbies don't be that mm-hmm. guy who accidentally decides oh i'm gonna mock and then you get into the actual draft lobbies and then instead of doing like six or seven mock drafts you've drafted six or seven random teams <laughs> unless that's what you're looking for in which case unless more power to you for. join 35 leagues just for fun <laughs> But remember to set your lineups. Maybe set aside one day a week where you do nothing but set lineups <laughs> eight hours a day. All right, let's move on from that and start talking about draft strategies. Uh, there's a few strategies we're going to talk about. This is not a comprehensive list of strategies. These are some of the most common draft most strategies common, most popular. to go into. So, Grant, talk to us about zero RB or zero running back. Yeah, so this, stra- this strategy, you we'll see a lot of guys may not take a running back till seven, eight, nine, mm-hmm. nine rounds in. in. Draft. Um, that's, that's kind of your no, no running back draft um, strategy where you're not worried about getting a running back um, early on. One of those top tier guys like an Aaron Jones, a Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin cook, somebody like that. But you're more focused on getting some of those wide receiver, those top tier wide receivers, maybe one of those top tight ends that um, we see a lot of times, and just really kind of stacking your team in those that 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 position first, because you know that there's some good value late in in the rounds that you can get. Kind of guys like a Joe Mixon, um, even oh uh, Joe Mixon is going way earlier than Joe that. Joe Mixon is going way early. Um, this year, but that he's been a guy in years past that has kind of been one of those those guys. Um, but even like, say like a Ronald Jones type of guy, somebody like mm-hmm. that um, who's going late in the drafts. Who's who? Grant, how do we you... feel about zero RB? We don't like love it, but we don't hate it. We do hate it. Do I just hate it? So I feel like zero RB is like. For me, it's like that person that you really want to be friends with, but every time you hang out with them, you end up just like <laughs> wanting to go home because they're just not fun to hang out with. Right. That's zero RB for me. 
I always, every year I mock at least three or four zero RB teams just for fun. This is the first year that I think it's remotely viable. Yeah. I've, I've mocked a lot of really bad teams. Yeah. I've even drafted a few zero RB teams. Um, I did do my first mock of the season this year, actually, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I was able to mock a zero RB draft. The one piece of advice that I can give this year, do not go into a draft with the intention of zero RB. Yeah. The only reason I'm going, I would go zero RB, and this is what I ended up doing in this mock, was if Travis Kelsey falls to you, Yep, I think it's it's perfectly okay because he's going pretty early in drafts, and a lot of times you're going to miss out on those top tier running backs, which is what triggered yeah. this for me. So let me let me just read you uh, my starting lineup for this this one draft I did, and I'm pretty happy with this team. Uh, my quarterback, I got Kyler Murray, who I'm very high on this year. Travis Etienne and Mike Davis are my running backs, and so this is what we're talking about with yeah. waiting on running back. So Travis Etienne, Mike Davis. And then my wide receivers are DeAndre Hopkins and Justin Jefferson with Travis Kelsey at tight end at flex Brandon Ayuk. And then who cares about kickers and defenses? Yeah. But so like that team feels a little more viable to me. I am going to lose on running back most matchups most weeks, because even though I'm high on ETN this year, I think his value is going to come later in the season, not early. Mm -hmm. And I don't love Mike Davis, but he is a starting running back, but to get Hopkins and Jefferson, in the second and third and obviously Travis Kelsey, I think I was picking at three Mm -hmm. and uh, it was either three or four and Travis Kelsey was there and I went, you know what? I'm going to go for it. And so you grab him and like my wide receiver value. And then I was able to get Kyler Murray as Mm -hmm. well. And so that team, you know, if it were a real team, it's now lost off outside of the screenshot on my phone, lost into, uh, into the, the internet, the cloud is eating it. But if you're going to go zero RB, I feel like Travis Kelsey needs to be on your team just because you will win the tight end position every week. And if you can also win at your wide receiver one and two positions and at quarterback, then you can really eat it at running back. Without Travis Kelsey, you're not going to have that opportunity. Even getting Darren Waller or George Kittle, you're, you're likely not guaranteeing that victory every week at that position. Yep. And so I would avoid zero running back. So let's go to the opposite of zero running back mm-hmm. to what is probably the most popular strategy yeah. uh, among fantasy analysts, which is the running back running back. It's mm-hmm. self-explanatory, but Grant, why don't you explain that to us anyway? Yeah, essentially you, with your first two picks, you take two running backs. So let's say you've got one of those top five picks you're going to take a guy like a Christian McCaffrey, a Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, somebody that's one of those top four, top five running backs who is you, you know that you're going to win, win the position with week after week. Mm-hmm. And then when you come around to that second, second time, let's say we're late second round, a lot of those top tier wide receivers like your Devonte Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, um, even guys, potentially guys like a Justin Jefferson, uh, may have slid, may have may have gone early there. Um, you'll probably see Travis Kelsey gone as well. So you're not really seeing that top tier wide receiver, but there's still very good running back value. Guys like an Aaron Jones, an Austin Eckler, um, somebody like that, somebody who you know will provide you with a good good chunk of stats week after week. 
That's where mm-hmm. I recommend going with that second, with that two running backs, with that two running back strategy. Because mm-hmm. as we've said it before, running backs, you kind of get the top maybe 15 to 20 that you can count on week after week, and then it kind of drops off there. Wide receiver is completely different. Wide receiver, there is a ton of value in late, middle to late rounds. So Mm -hmm. even if you end up not getting one of those top five to ten tier guys, you can get great value late um, for the wide receiver position. Guys like Adam Thielen, um, even uh, like Marvin CD Jones. Lamb is someone Lamb, that I think is Jerry Judy. He's going right where he needs uh, to go. Guys, some of those guys you can get great value from late in in, in some of those later kind of mid rounds. Mm-hmm. Yep. I I mean, even if the chips fall correctly, <laughs> fall in your favor <laughs> in your league, uh, I would even be comfortable going running back, running back, running back. Yep. There's there's just so much disparity between the best running backs and the mid-tier running backs that doesn't exist at any other position. Uh, a realistic combination that you could end up with, uh, depending on how, how things fall. If you're drafting around the middle of the first round, you could go Zeke, Antonio Gibson, Najee Harris. And if I have the That's opportunity great, to do that, I would do that in every league because then you could still end up with like Jones, or Robert Woods or Chris Godwin yeah. as your wide receiver one and come back in. I, yeah. I've ended up with Brandon Ayuk in more, almost every mock draft I've done, I've ended up with Brandon mm-hmm. Ayuk because he's been there and he's been a wide receiver two or three for me. And, yeah. and I'm perfectly comfortable if I've got a guy like Ayuk yeah. or Chase Claypool as yeah. my running back, as my wide receiver two. So as you can probably tell, I would recommend this strategy. Are you are you a fan of the running back running back strategy? Yeah, I'm a fan of it. Um, I I kind of tend to go between this and kind of like a standard running back wide receiver strategy. Um, so it's it's not a like the that that strategy is definitely something that I um, have definitely seen a lot of value come from. Yep. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the strategy that I think is probably most common among newer players um and it's not that's not necessarily a bad thing mm-hmm. i just think it it, it it requires the least planning and the least preparation yeah. so i think it's it's really attractive to uh people that don't spend as many hours as you and i do um uh, digging into fantasy football yeah and uh it's just the best available strategy yeah you you don't really go into the draft thinking i'm gonna build my team in any particular way you're gonna mm-hmm. go into the draft with an idea of the value you have for yep. the total player pool, a general idea, whether that's rankings that you've modified yourself or whether you're just going to your favorite website or ranker and pulling their rankings and bringing those with yeah. you to the draft. And at any given time, you're just taking the best player. Mm-hmm. And, and what you'll see a lot of times, too, is when you when you go to draft, obviously sites like ESPN, Sleeper, Flea Flicker, they're all going to have every player ranked overall based on based on best available. And so this is, they're going to give you all of these sites are going to have had rankings done by their different analysts, things like that. And they're also going to take um, in the recommendation, average ADP from uh, how people are drafting things like that. And that's going mm-hmm. to set 
kind of the overall value and overall ranking for all these players. And so it becomes super easy where you end up fourth, fifth rounds. You're kind of nervous about starting to get into some, kind of that that range of you're not you st- you recognize some of these players, but you don't recognize a lot of these players. But you recognize somebody that has a good that that has that is the best available player, and so you take them. And you can. I've I've seen a lot of people build great teams that way. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you can end up with with heavier in some some positions than others because obviously, like mm-hmm. we said, the wide receiver this year is deep. Um, so you're, you're going to hit have, a point in the draft where every round there's a yeah, wide receiver at the top of your list, pretty much. And so then that requires a little bit of searching, but even still, those sites that you're drafting on, you can you can sort it by running back, tight end even by flex, things like that, and it'll give you what the the best available player based on that position is at that time. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I mean, obviously, going with this strategy, it, you're going to get a bunch of players you like. And that's one of the things that's fun yeah. about fantasy football is you're going to look at your roster and you're going to go at, at one moment in the draft, you saw Justin Jefferson, who is your favorite young wide receiver in the league, and who cares who else was on the board at that time? You got your favorite young wide receiver in the league. And that's yep. one of the things that's really fun about fantasy. One of the drawbacks of this strategy, and uh, you know, I'm not as anti-best available as I am zero RB, but one of the downsides is you do end up loading up on certain positions, mm-hmm. and this is how you end up having good players on your bench while you have weaknesses at other positions. Yeah. Because you may end up drafting four startable wide receivers, and in you can a only, lot of rosters, you can't start four. You can only start three. So if you're starting three wide receivers, you may have Brandon Ayuk on your bench. You may be deciding between Julio Jones and Brandon Ayuk every week for who's going to start as your third wide receiver. Yeah. Meanwhile, you're having to roll out Daryl Henderson or <laughs> or Damian Harris as your yeah. running back to because you don't have another option. And uh, and that feels bad during the season, so when yeah. you fall into that. Um, but again, this is not a bad way to go into your draft, to just pick the best player available. Even if you draft like four rounds going for best available and then kind of step back and go, all right, where am I strong? Where am I weak? And then yeah. target some of those positions later in the draft. That's perfectly fine, too. Um, last but not least... <laughs> And this is where Grant and I disagree, even though he would say we agree. Do you wait on quarterback? Unless you this can is get unless the biggest can, question. Unless you can get a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen in like the third or fourth round, you wait on quarterback until like the ninth and tenth round. Bro, then why do you have people not in the ninth and tenth round on your rankings? Because I You're all talk, Grant. <laughs> Because I know where people are going to draft these players, so I guess I should be a, be an accurate draft. Accurate. That's ranking. not what your rankings are for, bro. Oh darn! Looks uh, like you're just gonna have to deal with it. I will. Um, yeah. So, do you wait on quarterback? Uh, Grant does make a good point. There, there are a couple guys uh, um, that are are of an upper tier, and if you can get one of those guys, maybe go early. I always recommend waiting on quarterback. But it's also really important to go into a draft with an accurate view of where you think quarterbacks should go. Yeah. Because while I do believe in waiting on quarterback, 
I have, so like I have Dak Prescott and Kyler Murray as fifth rounders. Mm-hmm. If I'm at the back of the fifth round or the, or the start of the sixth round, yeah. well, I, I'm perfectly comfortable waiting until the eighth or ninth round to get Ryan Tannehill or Jalen Hurts or Tom Brady or Matthew Stafford. I'm totally comfortable doing that. If I'm sitting there in the sixth round and Kyler Murray is still there, which he's not in most leagues, yeah. but if he's there, I'm absolutely taking him. Um, one more strategy to hit on um, as a possibility, and we'll just go into this very briefly because this is kind of a, a, a more advanced strategy, and it's called tier-based drafting. Um, and this is where you group players into tiers. This is my favorite strategy to draft with. Yeah. And in, in my rankings, it's really reflected in the way I have players spaced out where you, you have different tiers of players um, at a position. So like my running back tier one is Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara. I know I can get some pushback on Alvin Kamara there. Some people would put him as a tier two. For me, he's a tier one. He's a tier so you have one Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara. My tier two is two players. It's Derrick Henry and Ezekiel Elliott. My yeah. tier three is Saquon Barkley and Aaron Jones. Tier four, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor. Um, so your tiers can be large. They can be small. For example, my my uh, fourth tier wide receivers, after having three tiers of single wide receivers, I've got six wide receivers yeah. in my in my tier four. Hopkins, Metcalf, Jefferson, Brown, Ridley, and Allen. So what tier-based drafting is, is you group players that you think are going to have a similar performance in the season or players that you value very similarly and view those players as a group. So if I'm looking at that entire group, yeah, I'd rather have DeAndre Hopkins than Keenan Allen. But I will take any player from that group un- yeah. over my next tier of running back. So I'll take a tier four receiver over a tier five running back, uh, if that makes sense. So this requires a lot of work, and that's why I say it's more of an advanced strategy because you kind of have to group players, or you can go buy other tier-based rankings. Uh, yeah. The fantasy footballers have an ultimate draft kit that gives you their tiers for players, and it's great. And so if you want to just go in and take their tiers, someone else's tiers, I'm willing to share mine. If you're interested, I'll I'll, I'll post them. I'll email them out. Um, But tier-based drafting can be helpful because that tells you whether you should go. So it's, it's similar to best available, except you're grouping players based on position and based on, on ability level close together. So you can take a player from a group of similarly ranked players over players of another position that maybe are a little bit lower ranked. Yep. But at the end of the day, the biggest thing that we can leave you with is to, to, to keep your strategy loosely. And what we mean by that is mm-hmm. that you may be set on going into a draft with a strategy like a running back, running back, a best available, uh, no RB strategy. But what you have to remember is that you're drafting based on how you think the draft is going to go, how you think you're going to be able to get players, where you think you're going to be able to get players. The biggest thing is to remember is that you can't assume that everybody is going to draft exactly how you want them to. And so you may have to change mid draft. It could be mid draft. Mm -hmm. It could be early draft. It could be late draft, but going into that idea of like not being completely set on, 
I'm going to draft, make sure that I draft two running backs right at the beginning, things like that, because you may get a guy who, like a Travis Kelsey, that falls to you at the end of the second round, something like that. So Mm -hmm. you got to remember to really just take it all, take it all with a grain of salt, because while while you may be able to draft how you think that you can, that may not be the way that you end up actually being able to fully draft Mm -hmm. yep um hold your strategy loosely and let the draft come to you is the best advice that we can have for you you can decide players that you're looking for in advance you can pick targets that you like players you're willing to reach for and that's a really good thing to do um so that you know who you may need to reach for who you need to prepare for but at the end of the day Every draft is a little bit different. I am constantly being surprised. Players that I think I can get in a certain place, players that will have an ADP in the fourth round, and I think, you know what, I'm drafting at the end of the third round. I'm willing to grab that player in the third round, and then they're just gone, like at the start of the third round. That always happens. So be prepared to change your strategy Mm -hmm. mid-draft. Well, let's move on to uh, the topic of bye weeks. So there are, are really three options for how you want to handle bye weeks in your draft. And depending on uh, what app you're drafting on, it's usually going to tell you a player's bye week near their name yep. so that you can see them. So your three options are stagger, stack, and ignore. Are you going to look for players that all have different bye weeks? Are you yep. going to try to put all of your players that have the same bye week? So you just kind of punt on a week and accept yeah. that, you know what, there's one week where... 80 to 90% of my team is all going to be off and I'm going to get crushed that week. <laughs> but every other week in the season, I'm not going to be hurt by bye weeks. Yeah. Or do you just ignore bye weeks and draft the players you want to draft and figure it yeah. out mid season? Where, where do you, where do you land on the bye week conversation? I typically like to try and stagger. Um, I'm usually the one of those guys that likes to have a good, um, a good variety of bye weeks. Um, I that's just that again this all comes down to preference I'm one of those guys that likes to plan out kind of making sure that I that my top two wide receivers don't have the same bye week or my top two running backs don't have the same bye week things like that um and also making sure that my bench isn't filled with guys with a lot of the same bye week so making sure that I have can be competitive every week throughout the season um that's just kind of how I typically like to go sometimes though you may end up in positions where guys that you didn't think would be falling to you in some rounds do end up falling to you. And you're like, I got to take them. That's where you may find yourself in a, uh, in a bye week from hell situation where you end up with four or five guys on the same bye week But at the end of the day, like it, a lot of it has come down to my draft strategy where it's like, I'm surprised by guys who end up later when I th- being available where they are and so i'm just like i don't i don't care about the bye week because i want these players because of how i value them and so that's where i'm i i like i've seen myself with the with the stacked bye weeks of three four players all on the same bye yeah i i think that's a good strategy i i don't look at bye weeks i mean i look at them but i don't take them into account (laughs) and the reason is there's so many unknowns in the yeah. NFL season. Like looking at so Green Bay and Tennessee both have week 13 buys. Let's say I get Devontae Adams, uh, maybe towards the back end of the first, and then I get 
um, I don't know, let's say Austin Eckler towards the front of the second. And then I'm moving back towards, I'm drafting at the back end of the third now. And AJ Brown has just fallen to me because of whatever reason. Uh, Well, Tennessee and Green Bay have the same bye week. Scared of Julio Jones. Or whatever. Yeah. And AJ Brown is going in the second round where he should be going. But if he falls to me in the third and I don't draft him just because I have Devontae Adams, I am foolish. Oh, yeah. And at the same time, like even if it's not a situation where players are falling like that, even if I'm, I'm drafting a player right where it is, I want to pick the players that I want on my team. I want to go in with my strategy, my game yeah. plan. And if I can stick to it, I want to stick to it. And there's just so much by week 11, 12, 13, 14, who knows who's going to be healthy? Who yeah. knows what's going to happen with these teams? Last week was, or last year was, was, even an added wrinkle where because of all the COVID protocols, games were yeah. being moved around. And so it, it really didn't matter what some teams by weeks were because yeah. at the end of the day, so many of them got changed. You may have been planning on the Steelers by week and then the Steelers got a game moved and, and it was all a moot point. So I'm not a fan of basing my draft off of the bye weeks. You can always figure it out during the season. If you end up with stacked by weeks, that's fine. I would never intentionally go for that strategy. Yeah. But I'm also not actively avoiding it. Um, well, our next piece of advice is to mock draft more. So you've yeah. mock drafted. You've looked at the way players have fallen to you. You've tried some different strategies. You've looked at mm-hmm. zero RB. You've looked at running back, running back. Now that you've got those strategies ingrained in your mind, go try all of them. Go yeah. take a quarterback in the second round and see what your team looks like and then take a quarterback in the 13th round and see what it looks like. Yeah. Go draft four running backs in a row and see how your wide receivers are. Try everything out. That's what's so fun about mock drafts is you can do the stupidest, craziest things with your yeah. team and then just look at what your team is. And something that you may have thought was crazy looks really good. And that's why I, I mock zero RB every season. No matter how much I mock it, no matter how much I say it's not a great drafting strategy <laughs> most of the time, I will do several zero RB mocks every season because you get a team like the one I read off earlier that I'm super happy if that were one of my teams that I were playing this season, I would be perfectly comfortable with that. So test it all out. And, Try and the, them all out the in other, mocks. The other great thing about mocks, too, is that you can pick the place where you want to draft from. Mm-hmm. If you're going into like if you're going into just kind of random leagues, things like that, where you don't find out the draft order until an hour before, 90 minutes before, things like that. The greatest thing about mock drafts is that you can literally set up a mock draft exactly how your league is going to draft and then pick what position you want to draft from. Mm-hmm. So you can choose you can you can figure out, OK, if I have the first pick this is what it looks like. If I have the 10th pick, this is what I look like. If I'm Mm -hmm. drafting somewhere in the middle, this is what my team can look like. This is how I can run a strategy. Like that ability to pick is the greatest thing in the world because it allows you to formulate a strategy for every potential position where you could draft from. Mm -hmm. Yep. And not that you're going to memorize like every player you're going to pick from each position, but it gives you a good feel. And what I've noticed is that every season, um, I've got positions that just feel like the strongest position in a draft. And so if you end up in a league mm-hmm. where you get to pick where you want to draft from, because you know what, what things I've done with leagues in the past are you, 
whoever gets first crack at the draft doesn't necessarily have to pick from one. They just get yeah. first dibs on where they want to draft from. So they get to pick their spot and then so on and so forth. And so whoever is last crack at a draft spot doesn't necessarily draft from 10. They may, yep. they may be drafting from eight or nine because maybe whoever was a little bit before them wanted to draft two players in a row. So they picked the 10 spot. Yeah. This season six feels really strong to me. Mm-hmm. I've drafted a lot of mocks from six and gotten Ezekiel Elliott as my first running back in a lot of those drafts. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really high on the Cowboys offense this year. Uh, we'll see in a couple months if I'm feeling good about that, <laughs> but I've been able to get like Zeke, Nick Chubb as my first two players and then still yeah. get like a Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown or Calvin Ridley. And that feels really, really, really nice. Um, so it's always helpful. The more you mock, the more you learn what position you can draft from and you're going to get some good players. Um, a couple more things to hit on before we close the episode out. This one is very, very, very brief, but just look ahead for players that you may need to reach for. You are going to enter some late rounds, and especially if you're not getting deep into rankings every year, especially when you get outside of that like top 100 players, mm-hmm. there may be some players you're not super familiar with that are showing up. And later in the draft, there's players that you may be interested in. And so I would always recommend looking at the next 20 to 30 players in the rankings if you don't have an idea of specific players you're looking for. Yeah. Because especially late in drafts, you're going to see people reaching. If you need a quarterback, so do some other people. Sometimes quarterbacks are going two, three rounds before where they're projected in a given situation. And that goes with every position. So be willing to look forward a handful of rounds in the draft. And if there's a player you want, take that player. You have to weigh the player that's coming up with the players that you have access to at that time. In the Mm -hmm. early rounds, I wouldn't be reaching more than a round unless it's a very specific circumstance. But especially when you get to like the the eighth round and beyond, there's going to be people that are reaching a round or two to get some players. Mm -hmm. So don't assume just because you've got a player 17 picks down that 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 player is going to fall to you. Yep. Last but not least, take us home, Grant. The biggest thing that we can give you with your draft, if you are drafting a guy like a Christian McCaffrey, a... Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara. Make sure you handcuff your running back. We saw it last year with Saquon Barkley. We saw it last year with Christian McCaffrey. Guys like that went down and they were hurt. And they left a ton of points available on the field. If you were one of those guys that was like, oh, maybe I can get a, a my, my, my handcuff late and you didn't, you were looking, you were you were having to make silly trades. I had to make a trade where I traded, I think, Boston Scott and Brandon Ayuk for Mike Davis and somebody else in a league because you did. I because you I had did. because I was down with Christian McCaffrey and I needed Mike Davis to carry me through to get me something um in in that league. So if you have an opportunity to draft your handcuff early, I would recommend you he, those these are one of the those are one of the few situations where we actually tell you to reach because it's better to have that handcuff than to miss out on that handcuff and you'd be stuck trying to scramble to find some some sort of running back 
mm-hmm. on 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 the waiver wire. Yeah, you make a great point. Be willing to reach. One of the combinations of players that I'm drafting a lot right now in the mocks that I'm doing is I'm getting a lot of Raheem Mostert because I'm able to get him very late. Yep. And every single time I have picked Raheem Mostert, you know what my next pick is? Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon. Every single time. I, I, I've reached like three rounds to get Trey Sermon with my next pick just because there's no guarantee that Raheem Mostert, even outside of injury, there's yeah. no guarantee he's the starter all season. And I've ended up with him late when he's like my RB4. I love yeah. him as an RB4 because and he's got a high ceiling. The floor is is very low on him. He could yeah. be terrible. He could be outside the top 50 at running back this year, but he also could be inside the top 20. Yeah. So there's a lot of variance there. I've been getting him. I've got him as my running back 26, and I've been taking him in a lot of drafts. And, and, you, and you hit immediately on a, I'm handcuffing him with Trey yeah. Sermon. And, and you hit on it there. You need to be looking – at least three rounds ahead of where your of where your handcuff is average draft position is, because that's the type of value that you need to place on the handcuff. Is that the handcuff is that important that he needs to be your you need to be drafting him higher than what his ADP is. Mm-hmm. Yep, I completely agree. The one caveat I'm going to give, uh, and I agree with every word you said, is that you still need to be aware of the players you're reaching past. Yep. Because you need to ask yourself the question, if, if my starter goes down, is the value that the handcuff brings in that situation more valuable than some of the mm-hmm. other players I could take in that position? So I wouldn't reach past other starting running backs. Yeah. Like, I'm not reaching past Mike Davis to get a handcuff because if my starter goes down, I'm probably just going to start Mike Davis instead. But when you start getting into that option where you're deciding between mm-hmm. your fifth wide receiver and your fifth running back, I'd rather my fifth running back be a handcuff to one of my first four running backs yeah. than anything else I could possibly do. All right, well, that is what we have for you in terms of draft strategy. We're going to close thing out, things out with just really, really briefly a couple late-round sleepers. Mm-hmm. This is another thing we like to do late in drafts is just grab some players that don't necessarily have a lot of uh, a lot of value today, but yeah. that we have as popular breakout candidates that may may show some value mm-hmm. later in the season, may outperform their draft position. So we've each got three teed up. I'm going to go through mine really quickly. Grant's going to go through his really quickly, and we're going to say goodbye. So my favorite sleeper, another guy I've ended up with in a lot of drafts, Unfortunately, his value is rising by the day. I think if you're doing your draft towards the end of the preseason, he's probably not going to be a sleeper anymore. But give me all the the Darnell Mooney I can Mm -hmm. get. He is uh, Chicago Bears wide receiver. He's the he's the wide receiver two in that offense behind only Allen Robinson. Yeah, he is stupid fast. Last season, he was only limited by quarterback play. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. he had a. He, he had a solid season. My favorite play, I talk about it all the time on the show because it's just so <laughs> indicative of the Bears season. When he took Jalen Ramsey to school in the, <laughs> I think it was the Monday night game against yeah. the, the LA Rams, just burns Jalen Ramsey 
and Nick Foles overthrows him by like 12 yards. Yeah. Uh, his Wikipedia entry was changed. I hope it's still this. I haven't checked. But his Wikipedia entry was changed after that game to say that he has one son and his name is, Dar- is Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> but right now, Darnell Mooney is going as the wide receiver 50. His average draft position is 126. Yeah. That's the 13th round. Yeah. I'm willing to take Mooney in the 10th round. If I already yeah. have a quarterback on my team, I've noticed that my love of Darnell Mooney has moved up my dislike <laughs> of taking quarterbacks early because I've found myself taking quarterbacks in the eighth, ninth round so that I can get to Darnell Mooney in the 10th. Yeah. Um, I think in a couple weeks, he's going to keep moving up and you may not be able to get him there. You may have to draft him before your quarterback, but uh, he should have better quarterback play this year. As yeah. long as Andy Dalton isn't the starter all season, he's only been limited in his career by by no one throwing him, being able to hit him with a ball yeah. when he gets open. So he should be a lot better. Uh, two more guys really quickly, uh, both wide receivers. Russell Gage, wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. He's probably, I, I have him projected as the number three passing target in that offense behind Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts. There's always that chance that he moves up past Kyle Pitts and that Kyle Pitts, Pitts busts as a rookie and he ends up as the, the second target. The Falcons defense is very bad and Matt Ryan can still throw the football. So give me, give me a bunch of the Atlanta passing offense because I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball very much because they're, they're going to be down by so many points. They're going to have to throw the ball quite a bit. And I think Russell Gage is going to get a lot of targets. And last but not least, John Brown. Uh, This is a very late round flyer. He is currently the wide receiver 78 in average draft position going at 236 overall. Most drafts do not go that high. If you're playing in a normal like 10 team league or something like that, 10, 12 team league, you're not getting to that many players. Um, So he's going to be there with your last pick. If you want to take like a defense and kicker a lot earlier or take a look at the waiver wires after and pick him up, He's probably not going to do a lot this season, but that's what late round flyers are for. Mm -hmm. He's a a Las Vegas Raider now. Um, They don't have a wide receiver one, so it's probably going to be Henry Ruggs. The Raiders don't have a wide receiver one, and none of the Raiders can ever stay healthy enough to be a wide receiver one anyways. So Which has been John Brown's problem throughout his career. He's always been very good and always been very hurt. Um, but if he's a waiver wire pickup after the draft, or if he's yeah. my like literally last pick in the draft, he has the potential to be the wide receiver one on a not very mm-hmm. good offense, Yeah, which is still something, you know? Yep. All right. Give me your three players. Yeah. So I kind of hit on earlier when we were talking about preseason games, but Trey Lance currently quarterback number 24 uh he's kind of going 165 overall he's one of those guys that you can kind of late stash and on the we've seen jimmy garoppolo have health problems uh over the past year or so so it wouldn't surprise me if jimmy garoppolo ends up hurt and trey lance ends up stepping in he could have Mm -hmm. a very good season down the stretch um against some very uh against some some very a lot of weaker defenses um, going forward for him. So he's a guy that I kind of like um, very definitely late as kind of a stash and keep guy for you. Um, somebody else who is is actually kind of going late, and I think more than anything, this just has to do with the fact that he's changed teams, um, and that's Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, mm-hmm. Currently 
going wide receiver 52, so 131st overall. He's really the guy that I think I, I like ahead of LaVisca Chenault in that Jaguars offense. And Trevor Lawrence was already kind of picking picking him out. Um, he he looked very good in that first preseason game for for the Jaguars. Um, and he's he is already building a nice rapport with Trevor Lawrence. So he's a guy that I think could be a late uh, kind of 10th, 11th round guy that you could potentially get. Um, who could provide you a lot of value down the down down the road um, if as Trevor Lawrence gets more comfortable um, in that offense? Yeah, a lot um, of people la- don't realize he was a top twenty receiver last year. Yeah, he was a top twenty receiver last year, and that was with a terrible Lions offense, mm-hmm. and 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 so that shows you the type of talent that he does have. Another yeah. guy that I kind of like, Chuba Hubbard, going running back number fifty two overall, hundred and seventy one. It would right, not hold hold up real quick. Hold up, I need you to be honest with me. Um, is it just because his name's fun to say? I mean, his name's fun to say. That is something, but. He did look – I uh, was watching a little bit of the replay of him from this first preseason game for them. Um, he looks good. He's He really has some good he, – he really has that explosive speed that you like to see from a running back. Um, and so he could be one of those guys that come late into the season, could provide you some great value. Um, he, he He's most definitely a dynasty stash for sure, um, but he's also one of those guys that I think um, could provide you some – some value down the stretch potentially depending on how that running back running back field shakes out for him yeah and with mike davis moving on has the potential to be the handcuffed christian mccaffrey yep. reggie bonifant is also there uh, so we'll see what that would look like but I mean, mccaffrey's I, I mean yeah but i mean it's bonifant versus a fourth <laughs> round rookie it's like we're we're not debating between two great players here that's we're, true we're debating. We're debating between two players. So it, he has that potential. So definitely, if I'm a Christian McCaffrey owner, I'm super comfortable doing that yeah. as a as a late round late round pick. Uh, as of right now, uh, he's slotted in as the running back two on the Panthers depth chart. But yeah. Reggie Bonifant and Rodney Smith are both injured, so that could be playing a factor. We'll see what happens over the coming weeks. But thanks for swinging by the 25 yard line. Um, we're going to be coming back to you with weekly episodes. So yeah. uh, be on get the lookout excited. next week. We've got some more fun episodes this off season before we get back into our regular season programming. I guess this isn't even off season anymore. We're in the preseason, baby. We're in the preseason, baby. Man, I'm so excited. Getting prepped uh, for the regular season. Oh, so stoked. Check us out on social media. We're at the 25 yard line on Instagram and Twitter. Shoot us an email at the 25 yard line at gmail.com. If you have any topics you want us to cover over the next couple weeks, any questions, any players that you want some input on any yeah. draft strategy, feedback, anything that you've tried and either been successful at or really hated, let <laughs> us know on social media. Let us know through email. Give us a rate and review. Wherever you are listening to us, share us with your friends and family. And we are looking forward to a long, good season. It's a week longer this year. It's a week longer, and it's a week closer. Here it is. Thanks for stopping by. We'll see you next week. Peace out, everybody. Peace.